It's a great psalm to sing, isn't it? And I wonder if about noticed as we sang through the song what it was leading up towards and what it ultimately was all about. I think Joe picked up on it earlier when he was leading. This psalm and this sermon is all about hope. And I wonder as you look forward into 2018 and beyond, are you looking forward with hope? Hope, as the Bible speaks about it, is not simply an optimistic or positive disposition, but that is often the way that we use the word, isn't it? When we speak of hoping for something, it's because we would like something good to happen, but we can't have any certainty that it will. So, for example, for 2018, I hope that I'll be able to get a job in a church somewhere, that the years of training can be put to good use. But I don't know that that will happen. I hope that I'll make it through the next year without any major health problems personally, but again, I don't know if that will happen. Thinking about my wider family and having lost two of its members to cancer in two years, I hope we don't lose another one in 2018. But I don't know what this year will bring. Do you? When the Bible speaks about hope, it's not speaking about a sunny disposition or a longing for good things that may or may not come to pass. Biblical hope, what the Bible sometimes talks about as the hope, biblical hope is certain and concrete. It is a longing for good things, not which might happen, but which will happen. Things that will happen because God has promised. He keeps his word. He never changes. Now, really, the application of this psalm, which it's all driving towards, is there in verse 7. O Israel, hope in the Lord. O people of God here at Chalmers, hope in the Lord. Do you want concrete hope? Do you want a hope that will not disappoint? Then hope in the Lord. We're going to read the psalm now. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than watchman for the morning, more than watchman for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Well, this psalm is about hope, but did you notice from verse 1 where it starts? It starts in the depths. It is about hope, but It's about the sort of hope which is still a very real and present hope, even in the depths. And actually, hope which is worth having is hope which will sustain you, even in the depths of life. There's a bit of a silly example here, but I had a waterproof jacket a few years ago, which was reasonably waterproof in most situations, except when you had a particularly heavy downpour, Water would leak in through the seams on the shoulder, and so whatever you had underneath got wet around the shoulders, wet around the neck, and it it looked like you'd been leaking out of your collarbone. 
Now, that's, that's not a very good waterproof jacket. If it doesn't keep you dry when you need it most, then it's really not much use at all. Now, that is a, a trivial example, but I want to say it's quite similar with hope. I'm sure we all know what it's like to have put our hope in something and to have been disappointed or let down by it. You might have had that experience. Let's hope the ceiling stays up. (laughs) We know what it's like to have been let down by something we'd hoped in. You may have had that experience this year. You feel your health has let you down. Or maybe you've been disappointed because you'd put your hope in your abilities and performance at work. And you've been, you've been passed over, passed over for an opportunity that you maybe thought you were just the right candidate for. Or maybe you just feel like you've let yourself down this year and you've let God down too because you're still fighting what feels like a losing battle against the same sins that you didn't conquer last year and you didn't conquer the year before. In one way or another, I think we all know exactly what it's like to have hoped in something and been disappointed But real hope, hope that is worthy of the name hope, will sustain you even when you are at your lowest ebb. Real hope will keep the rain out even in the heaviest of downpours. So I want to say hope in the Lord. If you only, you'll see on your lesson from this morning into 2018, please let it be that, hope in the Lord. You'll see on your service sheet, there's a few headings there. They are really just stepping stones because there's one lesson this morning and it's that hope in the Lord. As we go forward into a new year, God's word is calling us as God's people to hope in the Lord. I want to pray just before we get into things proper here. Let's um, bow our heads and pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time this morning. We thank you for holidays, for rest, for Christmas and New Year, the time it gives us to get away from the normal busyness of life, to reflect, to look back and to look forward. And Father, as we do that, we pray that we would look back and look forward as people who have our hope in you. Father, speak to us this morning through your word. Help us to to know you better, to learn from you. Help us to think big thoughts about you, and we commit. Well, if we are going to have genuine hope, then it needs to be the sort of hope that engages with the realities of life as it actually is, the sorts of lives that you and I all live. Now, it might be possible that all of us in here could envisage some sort of an idealized virtue, which we call hope, something which perhaps would be experienced by Uh, a version of ourselves, a better version of ourselves, a version of ourselves that doesn't actually exist. But what's wonderful about this psalm here is it's about a real person who experiences real hope. We get to the substance of that more as we reach the, the second half of the psalm, but before we do that, there's a few things that we need to learn from verses one to four. So first off, verses one and two, we need mercy We need mercy. I'll read those two verses again for us. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. 
Just once we summist our writer here is in the depths and he cries out to God. Not just once we see, but again and again. He really means it. Look at what he says. He says, I cry to you, hear my voice, listen to my pleas, be attentive to my pleas. The psalmist is in real need and he's miserable because of it. He's crying out of the depths. And so he calls on God. Now, just like us, he would have had all sorts of needs, all sorts of things which he could have and maybe did cry out to God for. But his main need here is mercy. Mercy because of his sin. That's why he's crying out to God here. And in fact, we know that sin and the guilt which comes because of it is the problem because of what he says in verse 3. Hear my pleas for mercy, because if you marked iniquities, nobody could stand, certainly not me. Now, how about we have a pause here and and reflect on that? You true to say that we all need mercy. New Year often is a good time to reflect on things, isn't it? The time to look forward and to look back. Think about how 2017 was for you. Or what does next year look like? Or to tie it in more to the psalm and and be perhaps a bit more pointed this morning, as we reflect on 2017, which of us could say that we don't need mercy? I don't need to reflect for too long to think of occasions this past year where I've had arguments with family, times when I've been selfish, bitter, proud, And perhaps it's the same for you. Perhaps you can think of people who you've hurt this past year because of your sin. Or times when you just know that you've done the wrong thing. Sin is real, and sin in believers is real. Our mercy is one of the greatest needs that we have. It's a constant need. Now, of course, it's not our only need. There are other needs which are real. But mercy because of sin is one of the greatest needs we have. Let's remember why Christmas, the the coming of Jesus into the world, is so important to us. The, The angel said, you shall call his name Jesus, which means the Lord saves. You shall call his name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. We need mercy. Now, if you're here this morning and you're still not sure what you make of Jesus, then this this may well sound completely foreign to you. But let me just encourage you, and all of us really, to get on board with what the psalm is saying here. Ultimately, it is about real hope. It is about hope even for sinners who need mercy. Hope even for people who've made a complete mess of this last year and who may even go on to repeat all of the same mistakes next year coming. We need mercy, that's just the reality of it. But good news is coming. The Lord forgives. And we're at verses 3 and 4 now. The Lord forgives. Let's remind ourselves of what those verses say. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness 
that you may be feared. If God did mark iniquities, if God did keep a record of wrongs against his people, then which of us could stand in his presence? Of course, that's a rhetorical question. The answer is no one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's no one righteous, not even one. If our standing in God's presence was based on our own sinlessness, on our own own lack of iniquities, or, or somehow on our own doing enough good to cancel out the iniquities, if it was based on that, then no one could stand, not even one. Now, the psalmist knows that perfectly. Just someone who's rubbing salt into the wounds of sinners who are already, like verse 1 says, in the depths. It's not as if he's saying, you need mercy, and by the way, to top it off, you can't stand in the presence of God. That would all be true if it weren't for that wonderful word at the start of verse 4. But, have a look. Nobody could stand in God's presence, but with you there is forgiveness. With God, there is forgiveness. The Lord forgives, and that is a ground for real hope. The Lord forgives. It's because he knows the Lord forgives that this writer cries out to God in the first place. He knows he's sinned. He's in the depths. He knows he needs mercy, and so he comes to God. He comes to God because he knows that with God, there is forgiveness. He's not going to find forgiveness anywhere else, in fact. He has to come to God for it. Now, we've had a disconcerting noise coming from the roof this morning. Emma and I had a somewhat disconcerting noise in our house recently, and it talked about what we thought like water was dripping somewhere. So we talked about it a bit. We talked about what we thought might be causing the noise, how we might fix it, or when we might get someone out. And eventually, we did call out a plumber. I probably should have done that sooner. Emma's an accountant. My work experiences in pensions were not really well suited to plumbing. And all these discussions we had about what might be wrong and how we might fix it were never going to achieve anything. We had to call in a specialist, someone who knew what they were doing. And if you give it any thought, of course it's blindingly obvious. If you have a drip, you need a plumber. If you're unwell, you go to a doctor. If you've sinned and you need forgiveness, then you have to go to God. God is the specialist when it comes to forgiveness. At the root of it, all sin is against God in one way or another. There are other victims, of course, but the primary one whom our sin offends is always God. So just like Emma and I talked about our plumbing needs completely fruitlessly, we could talk about forgiveness in a general sort of a way. We could try to conceive of various methods by which that might be achieved, but sooner or later we must go to God. It is with him, with the Lord, that we find forgiveness. Now, we need to remember as well that it's not only that God can forgive, but in fact, God delights to forgive. We remember at Christmas time, God sent his only son into the world. In doing that, he gave us the most precious gift of all. And why did he do that? For the forgiveness of sinners. If you've not yet experienced 
the reality of God's forgiveness, why not follow the example of the person who, who wrote this psalm? He knows that his sins would prevent him from standing in God's presence. But he also knows that with God there is forgiveness, and so he cries out for mercy. And really, in one way, that's what becoming a Christian looks like. Ask him. It's about knowing that we need our sins forgiven and coming to God to ask him for that forgiveness. Now, there is more, but that's a good start, a good beginning on the road to genuine and lasting hope for 2018 and for eternity. And for those of us in here who are already Christians, let's make sure that we don't forget this reality that with God there is forgiveness. Some of us in here will find it all too easy to think of ourselves as sinners and That is right, because it's what we are. But we need to remember as well that as Christians, we are forgiven sinners. With God, there is forgiveness. We needn't be weighed down by the sins of the past. We needn't be weighed down by regrets over what might have been, but isn't. Because with God, there is forgiveness. It's only ever been because of his mercy that we can stand in his presence. And this gives us hope. We don't need to look to our own performance or how well we did last year for our standing with God. It's never been based on our performance. It's because of what Christ has done for us that we can have hope. Not because we're perfect and sinless, but in spite of the fact that we're not. God is the one who forgives. He knows exactly how weak and sinful we are right from the start. He knows exactly how much we need mercy, and still he forgives. He forgives us, it says, so that we might fear him. That's talking about a relationship, so that we might, in worshipful reverence, live in a relationship with him. Well, there's points one and two. We need mercy. Good news is the Lord forgives into the second half of the psalm now, and we'll see that the exhortation is to hope in the Lord. And we also learn what it means to wait on the Lord. So we'll start with that. Verses 5 and 6, wait on the Lord. Have a look again, and I'll, I'll read them for us. Wait for the Lord. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. So what does it mean to wait for the Lord? What exactly are we waiting for? What does it look like and feel like as we wait? Well, what we're waiting for, we see in verses 7 and 8, Joel picked up on it as he was leading, we are waiting for plentiful redemption and to be redeemed from all our inequities. There's a very important forward-looking aspect to hope. As believers in Christ, we're completely forgiven right now in the present, but we still await the plentiful redemption. We have been redeemed from our sins, and yet we still sin. We are being renewed after the image of our Creator, but we're not all the way there yet. We still struggle in a world which is tainted by sin in every way things. But it won't always be like that. 
Because God has promised to make all things new, we look forward in hope to God's new creation. Then we will experience the plentiful redemption. Then we will not only be forgiven of our sin, but we will be completely free from our sin. Then we will be with God in an even closer and more intimate way than any of us can even imagine right now. However big your vision of the new creation is, or mine, it's not big enough. Isn't that astonishing? This psalm is about real hope for real life. It's about hope for sinners who need mercy. And the wonderful hope that we have is the certainty of God's plentiful redemption. Now, if we take up some of the imagery in the psalm here, the watchmen wait for the morning, and sometimes, no doubt, they don't like, they've been waiting forever. The watchmen wait for the morning, but they don't wait as if morning will never come. Its coming is sure and certain, and it's just like that for us as we wait and as we long for the new creation when all will be made right, the watchmen wait with a hopeful certainty. And yet, waiting is still waiting. Which of us in here likes waiting? Which of us enjoys the delay? Or, let me ask you this, have you ever shared Christmas Christmas morning with a young child who says, let's leave the presents for a few weeks. I like the waiting. It's helpful to remember again the Christmas story. Chapter 2 of Luke's Gospel, we meet with Simeon and Anna, both faithful Jews, and they're described as waiting for the consolation of Israel. Last Old Testament, a long time. There had been over 400 years since the last Old Testament prophet Malachi had said that the Lord would come to his temple. They'd been waiting an awfully long time. They were certain that what they were waiting for would come to pass, and we can be too, but they still had to wait for a really, really long time. Now, let's get back to our psalm, and please look at verse 5 and think how you might answer this question. What is it that sustains the psalmist while he waits? What is it that enables him to keep waiting in hope? And the answer you'll see there is in the the second half of the verse. In his word, I hope. However long the waiting, we can wait in hope because of God's word. Now, I think probably given the context that the word of God refers to what God has promised. What he has promised is plentiful redemption. And God's words are, are all reliable and trustworthy. In a sense, every one of them is promise. So when God speaks a word about plentiful redemption, which will one day come, and it will in the new creation then we can have genuine hope in that word. 
the hope in this psalm really is a hope that what God has said he will do is what he will do. And he always keeps his word. So as we look back over 2017, there'll be things that each of us will have to give thanks for. There will be things that we look back with regrets over and maybe even guilt. As we look forward to next year, perhaps there are things to look forward to. Perhaps there are things which we're anxious about. But what I want to encourage all of us to do as we do our looking forward to what's coming next is to, oh, redemption. When we do look forward, we look forward far enough to the plentiful redemption of the Lord. That's what waiting in hope looks like. We can face next year with certain hope because our hope is in the Lord, his forgiveness, his redemption. Well, finally, verses 7 and 8, hope in the Lord. Ultimately, this is what the whole psalm has been leading to. If you were to sum up what is the aim of this psalm, what's the purpose for which it is written, it would be these verses. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. The psalm was written to encourage all of God's people to hope in the Lord. Now, it is based on an individual's experience, but right here, he turns outwards to address all the people of God. This hope is for everyone, every one of God's people, even God's people. This hope completely stuffed up 2017. And this hope is possible because of who God is. We can have certain hope because of the character of the Lord. He does not change ever. So two brief points in closing. This exhortation to hope in the Lord is for all of God's people. I don't know how you're feeling about last year or about life in in general. I don't know which of us are particularly weighed down by sin or anxiety or uncertainty about the future. But God does know. And God is the one who put this psalm in our Bibles for our hope and consolation. Just think about that not particularly good waterproof jacket that I mentioned at the start. Real hope is still real when you need it most. Now in this psalm we have that point made from the standpoint of guilt over sin. I think we'll probably know things that we can... You probably know that dwelling on the reality of our continuing sin is one of the most discouraging things that we can do. But the wonderful point this psalm is making is that even with our great sinfulness, even with our great need for mercy, God still forgives. Our hope is built on the certainty of what God has done to forgive us. And as we project that forward, our hope is built on the fact that God does not change. And that's true regardless of of who you are this morning. This hope is for all of God's people. Well, finally, and I've touched on this a little already, this hope is secure because of who God is. Hope in the Lord is a certain hope because God doesn't change. One of the, the many ways that 
we as, as men and women are not like God is that we do change. We change all the time. We're up one day, we're down the next. We're on a spiritual high one week, feeling like God has really been at work in our lives. We're seeing answers to prayer. We're in sin, we're sharing the gospel, we're doing all the things that successful Christians should be doing. And then the following week, it's the complete opposite. It's all doom and gloom. Why am I still struggling with this same old sin? If I've been a Christian for 10 years, why do I keep falling into this same trap? Is God doing anything at all in my life? We change. A relatively simple but profound point coming up here. God does not change. We change. God does not So hope in the Lord, because like verse 7 tells us, with the Lord, there is steadfast love. Verse 8, he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. God's love for his people is a steadfast love. Not like our love for him, up one day, down the next. It is unchanging and steadfast. It is certain, it is secure which will character of our unchanging God is what will give us hope, the kind of hope which will sustain us even in the depths of life. To him we must look for mercy, him we must fear, him we must put our hope in. And so whatever comes your way in this next year, you can face it with a certain hope because of who God is. Your standing with him is based on his steadfast love towards you. He knows your sin. In Jesus, he forgives your sin. In fact, Jesus experienced the the full extent of the depths of our sin and guilt on the cross when he died for sinners. The Lord has promised plentiful redemption. His word is sure, so hope in the Lord. Maybe you're not yet a Christian. Can I encourage you to take a look at what's on offer? The certainty of hope in the Lord. Or maybe you are a Christian struggling with anxiety or with your own sinfulness. Well, have another look at who God is. See his mercy. See his steadfast love. See the certainty of his word of promise. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look back and as we look forward, we pray again that we would do so as people who have hope in you. Nothing else can satisfy, no one else can give us the certainty and assurance of hope that you do. As we look back, we thank you for your mercy. And as we look forward, we thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus. We thank you for this promise of plentiful redemption. We thank you for your steadfast love towards us, sinners in need of mercy. We thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.